Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and I am raving with joy because I have a woman that has just filled my soul today. So I'm going to share her with you listeners today. I want you guys to tune in, buckle up, and get ready because this is going to be, it's going to be fun, it's going to be impactful, and it's going to be enlightening. So I want to introduce to you guys April St. John. Hey, April. Hello, hello. I am so excited to have you. So can you share with listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Who I am and what I do. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I own a group private practice in the Virginia area. And I'm also a transformational spiritual coach. You said a transformational spiritual coach. Spiritual. Yes, because there's one thing to inspire, another thing to motivate, but another thing to establish an atmosphere for true shifting and transformation. I can't leave you inspired and cheering and walk away. Let's actually do the work. Wow. And so you actually do that from a spiritual aspect. Can you enlighten listeners on, on mm-hmm. why that is or what that means? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of us can function in a, in a surface constant movement, moving, unfettered, disjointed way. And there's a way to just kind of zero in and be really still. And while I say the word spiritual, because I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I meet anyone, anywhere, your level of spirituality, whether you worship a rock, you worship Buddha, Allah, whatever, connecting to self and spirit is the number one thing we must do. And so if you can't connect to self and bring everything in together into one full thing and have a congruence of who you are, you can't launch, move, heal, or go forth. You'll be limping at all points. So I'm gonna meet you in your spirit, man, your spirit woman. I'm gonna meet you in your truth and honor that and help you move forward in it. I'm just shaking my head because you talked about paralysis and that's, so many people are stagnant and paralyzed in fear and doubt in their comfort zone, in Mm -hmm. their misery, in their trauma, in their life. And you're saying that you got to be ready to deal with self and you have to believe in something, Mm -hmm. um, even if it is yourself, because a lot of people don't believe in that either. Um, And so you kind of work from all angles. Yeah. And I empathize and have absolute respect for anyone who struggles with fear and doubt because I've been there. I actually could, at one point in my life, could actually hear my mind bending, becoming malleable, almost to the point of snapping because I was struggling so much with fear and doubt, trauma, abuse, and all of that. Do you mind if I share a little bit, Anika? I was just about to dig. Go ahead. (laughs) So I was sharing with you earlier, I am newly divorced from a 22-year marriage. was with this one beautiful soul for 25 years. And we got married when I was in my early 20s, no kids, had a beautiful society wedding. And five months into our marriage, my, what I call my husband, my ex-husband, my husband became verbally, physically, and emotionally abusive. And I came from a very normal two-parent household. I had no skill set, no point of reference for this level of chaos. And so I almost went into that whole fight, flight, or freeze concept. Mm-hmm. And what came about from this, now that I'm looking back, I know what it's like to live in a space of absolute stagnation and absolute death and not know what to do with it because I entered into what we call in psychology, cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. where 
I had two competing contradictory knowings inside of me. One was no one should talk to me like this. No one should call me these names. No one should hit me. And the other contradictory belief, but my parents just spent a lot of money on this big society wedding. Maybe I deserve this because I broke my first love's heart. Um, I'm so spiritual myself at 23, I can heal everyone, skewed mindset, that I can pray him into being a better husband. And so I made a very um, unhealthy decision to very just long. white knuckle it, bear down and grin it, bend over and take it, take one, take a sword, take one for the team. And I became extremely stoic, became pregnant, and just moved forward thinking I could change the world. And I did that um, from 1996 to 2005. After 2005, I just made a, a strong decision to myself. I had been battered and beaten way too much. My son was around eight years old and I made a very pragmatic decision to stay with my abuser, but I put down some ground rules. I stood up within myself. And in that moment, April 23rd, 2005, he and I began a brand new trauma bond, a brand new dance, I call it. No more was I called a B-I-T-C-H or a C-U-N-T or stupid or worthless or nothing. No more was I called that and no more, no more were you gonna put your hands on me. But after that, I became so pragmatic and focused on my vision and where I wanted to go. And I share with you, I didn't leave, and I'm not saying other people shouldn't leave if you need to leave, but I didn't leave because I enjoyed being a stay-at-home mom. My children were my focus. I wanted to keep driving my Mercedes Benz. I wanted to dance in his underestimation of me. I wanted to get every degree and letter behind my name. So when I launched my babies, I was able to just launch with power. And so I'm not saying every woman should choose that, but fear and doubt were the main reasons that had me choose to stay in a space that while it was fruitful for my babies because they never were touched by any of the darkness that took place, um, I was able to keep them removed from that. But it really had a, a toll on my spirit and my soul to where now I've had to do the work to recover, to heal, allow my soul to breathe in and breathe out. I can breathe in the love of the world and breathe out my contribution to others because I had to let myself heal. Not only did my spouse um, function with a level of uh, abuse, but after that big stopped in 2005, then he started to um, self-soothe by cheating. And he cheated in a very um obvious and egregious way but i was so indifferent at this time i was focused on my degrees and my children and my future i had made up my mind because once you make a shift in your soul and you make mm -hmm. up your mind mm -hmm. no one no thing mm -hmm. can take it from you that's right once you face fear and doubt fear and doubt are on one hand but joy peace Amen. and clarity of action on the other hand that's right i had to be taken to the base the bottom of who I was mm -hmm. to now I'm in a space of, I've had someone take everything from me. I don't care what I lose now. Exactly. I'm okay moving forward. So as he cheated, he was actually extremely ill. He has lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, interstitial lung disease. He has idiopathic thrombocytopenia purpura. That's a rare blood disorder. He has Raynaud's disease and is in complete renal failure. And I was his caregiver and praying by his bedside while he was in a coma to only wake up and ask for a girlfriend. And as he wrote her name while he came out of a coma and he said he wanted her, I just simply said, it's okay, she's on her way, go back to sleep. While I was indifferent to him, my children, my plan was what I wanted to focus on. And so once we face fear and doubt, 
I say this to you, Anika, and I'm gonna I'm I'm start boiling it down. Um, you may have heard of this woman, <laughs> and others you may have heard of, Lisa Nichols. <laughs> she is a juggernaut in the person development space. And she says four things if we get rid of them, if we stop them, this is what can get us to propel forward. She says, once we get to a place, we have nothing to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to defend, and nothing to protect. When we drop that, fear and doubt leave, and we can take action upon action upon action, and we actually have joy in making mistakes. I just live that. I live it. I immerse myself in that. And there's nothing I won't do because I've already hit bottom. So let's just bring it on. What you going to do next, God? Let's move. Who can we bless next? I'm just sitting here because I am sucking this all in. You know, a lot of times we talk about cycles, but yours wasn't necessarily a cycle. I mean, this came from, you know, a woman who had a loving family or whatever that was in a situation. Mm -hmm. And what got me was that you were, you talk about being stoic, but, you know, a lot of people are in that state of shock. Like, yeah. did this really just happen? Did mm -hmm. I sacrifice everything for this? Yes. Everybody's going to be upset or, mm -hmm. you know, um, did I waste money? Did I waste time? Like, what do I do now? And then we make decisions and then we stick to it because of our loyalty or because of our resilience and resilience mm -hmm. in different ways. And a lot of people don't know that. And, mm -hmm. um, and even your intellect, you know, was always in it because it takes a certain level of strength yes stay it takes a different kind of strength to leave but absolutely a lot of strength to plot and plan and when i tell <laughs> you that i got three different women out of that because i can be mm. in that situation and i can see all of it and although it may not make sense to somebody else it made sense to you at the time because yeah. Yeah. You were thinking outside the box while being in the box. Yes. And, and no one knew. Fit. Yeah. And try but see, that's the thing that, that worries me because I was gonna ask you, how does it feel to be free? Because you have to be tired. Because when you are wearing that mask, that is one of the hardest masks to wear. Yes. It when I you know, you said the word shock. Let me tell you something. When we visualize being shocked, you know, we walk around a corner and someone scares us, we go, <gasps> you know, we take a deep breath in, our hands go up, we, we're, we don't breathe, everything stops. When we're in a state of shock, there is no movement, no flow, everything shuts down. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing. Um, your question was, what was your question again? I'm sorry, before I go there. I don't know. I was just, <laughs> I was just talking about, how I was saying how you were in shock, but you also had to wear a mask. You know, to, yes. to oh, yes. keep everybody from, from seeing inside, yeah. So I had multiple, thank you, Anika. When you get my age, I tell you. But listen, I had multiple moments of shock where I just was going, <gasps> and I continued to take deep breaths and not exhale. Mm -hmm. When it was time for me to execute my plan and move, begin to move after my children were launched, and it was time, I did it with peace and amicable uh, spirit. I wasn't angry and hateful. I just moved towards what I was owed after paying my blood, sweat, and tears dues. Mm. That's when every emotion came home to roost. Mm. Every emotion. Mm. So I deliberately prepared for my bereavement. I took the time to realize that I had 
a million living deaths throughout the years. Living deaths. I know we were talking about fear and doubt and we need to talk about fear and doubt, but you know what? I need you to talk about bereavement because yeah. a lot of people only associate grief with death. And mm -hmm. I really need you to educate the world because you already educated me, which I already knew it, which I didn't like that, <laughs> but we're not going to talk about it right now. But anywho, um, I want you to educate the rest of the world on mm -hmm. bereavement because this is yes. a concept that i've tried to explain to many people that they don't get and i need it to come mm -hmm. from your mouth so maybe they'll listen yeah. um can you just explain what bereavement means like mm -hmm. in a in in a totality because yes you know when we're talking about relationships when we're talking about life when we're talking about um roles when we're talking about health we're talking about ties that bind. All of these things, yes. um, they, they make up this concept. Can you break the concept mm -hmm. down for listeners, please? Yes, ma'am. A bereavement is a really large word. I love the word totality. Did you know there are more than and over 18 types of grief? Mm -mm. You can go from, of course, the most dominant grief, the loss of a human being. That's real grief. That's real. Mm -hmm. But there are over 18 types. I won't go into all of them, but we have... Um, anticipatory grief when you know you have an ill one or you know you have to start letting someone go we have or the child graduating we have dream death griefs anytime your desire dream and vision dies mm. you are bereaved when the child breaks your heart and leaves when the marriage you thought was going to work doesn't mm -hmm. when the profession you put all of your time and energy, energy into and you have now these degrees and you have um, a professional identity and then it all falls apart, whether it be because you just realized that wasn't your calling, whether it be that um, you lost positioning or whether it be that you lost reputation, that is grief. My own personal grief, because I immersed myself and became myopically focused on my children and my education and my personal growth to make sure I survived, Mm -hmm. I went through a living death and then people say, wow, that's so, that's a stretch. It's so abstract. Mm -hmm. But I went through a living death that when I began interning in my residency to go for my clinical degrees, um, my children were uh, older. They were in their teens, but they were in school. And I wasn't used to not being the room mom, not being on the PTA. I wasn't used to not being available if they called mm -hmm. to where I'm going to be very transparent, Anika. I began to be so anxious that I started wetting the bed in my mid thirties. I had to go to my, a therapist and she said, are you aware that your mother identity has died? Mm -hmm. I had to do all my work. I had to write the longest letter to mother April. Not that I'll never be a mom again. I'm always going to be my baby's mommy. I'm always going to be a mommy first. Love my babies. However, your identity, home mom identity. The, yeah. the thing that I didn't know what day it was because I can make granola and cook the big dinner and then do this and do that. That had to die. My life of leisure, and I'm not trying to equate stay-at-home mom to leisure, but the way I had mine structured, mm -hmm. I love my life. Mm -hmm. the, that life had to die. And you say, okay, that's just transition. Mm -hmm. No, I grieved. I grieved, and my because I didn't know my body was grieving, because I didn't know how to identify it, we call it psycho, I mean, um, somatic symptomology. Yes, my body started to manifest what my yep. feelings were, yep. which was anxiety, mm -hmm. depression, and suppressing it you can't if you suppress it it's gonna find yes. a way out it's gonna yes. find a way out and i'll see you at suppression but i'll also raise you that i don't i don't fault people they don't have the muscle memory and the skill set to check yep. in and be able to identify 
exactly. It's the same thing as if you walked into, if any of us walked into a daycare um, of a bunch of four-year-olds, 24-year-olds, and they all had sugar and there was no teacher. And so they're jumping around and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff because they're hyped up on sugar. And you see one, little Sarah, on top of a cabinet about to nosedive into a styrofoam cup of water. And then you see little Johnny with a, with a fork about to put it into the socket. You could walk in and say, everyone stop. They may look for a moment and keep going, but unless you can say, Sarah, don't dive. Tommy, put the fork down. Unless you can identify what the thing is that's plaguing your soul, where that cancerous feeling is, unless you can identify that, it's difficult to begin the process of owning it, navigating it, regulating it, and mastering the thing that has been happening with you to where it, can be, it doesn't become your battle, it becomes your battle blessing. How can I help someone else with the thing I've learned? So I don't know if I answered you fully, Anika, on bereavement, but there's so many ways to grieve and we, we, we completely minimize our pains. Um, I'll tell you one more grief, one more grief I'll talk about and stop me if I'm going too deep. Um, we also have collective grief. And I don't want to get into any other <laughs> any of your conversation. We're going to keep it right here. But collective grief is real. And our society is struggling with a lot of anxieties. Um, we can have tribal grief. And when I say tribe, I don't mean any culture. I mean, say we could talk about the women's movement, the tribe of women. But I'm right now talking about the African-American community. Um, on Monday, I don't know if you knew this, Anika, Monday was at February 5th. Um, that on that date, um, Trayvon Martin would have been 24. Yep, I heard it. On this Monday. Yep. Yes. I, as a Black mother who loves every human on this earth, but who has a Black son, yep. I felt, found myself being more somber, more mm -hmm. sober-minded that day. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it hit me so hard. That was collective grief for our society, for our tribe. We all have certain collective griefs based on the landscape of our politics and the state of our nation. And it doesn't matter what side you fall on, we're all hurting. So there is collective grief. I could keep going. There's so many. I, I'm just, I'm so glad that you brought that up because a lot of people don't think that you can feel for others. And, and that's what I need people to understand of what you're saying is that regardless of whether it happened to you or having a friend or whether you knew the person or not, being exposed to yes. things can impact you. And a mm. lot of people love to dismiss this concept and it annoys me because a lot of people are like, that has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with me. And everything. to your point, I really prayed to not have a black son. I wanted mm. girls because I was afraid of how to raise a son, not to mention yeah. him leaving the house. Now it's yeah. to the point where, I mean, I, I, I homeschooled my kids last year because the, I was Beautiful. an hour away from the school shootings. I was like, okay, you know what? And so a lot of people are like, I don't know why you have anxiety. You know what? I don't know why I don't. But mm -hmm. when you're talking about collective grief, you're talking about bereavement, a lot of people don't know that these states can mm -hmm. paralyze you for years. It years, is something that is not temporary per se. It is one of those things that, needs to be dealt with it needs to be addressed and i love that you brought it up because i can honestly say nobody's ever brought this up on my show and mm -hmm. it is something that i chase because a lot of people really downplay anxiety depression grief trauma mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. things are things that scare people people don't want to talk about it people wear masks they want to hide their pain what they don't know is that their pain is coming out in their skin it's coming out mm -hmm. in their words. It's coming out in their actions. It's coming out in their kids. It's coming out in their jobs. And you can't hide. 
Right. And I wonder, Anika, I think there is merit for they reject it, but I also think there's space for those who are just afraid. They have no skill set to know even how to begin to approach it. They don't know what it's like to actually find someone that's going to support them while respect them in their brokenness and fallibility. That's why therapy is so, so much of a misnomer. And so I had someone the other day say to me, um, don't you tell people what to do? I was like, oh my God, never. Oh, I don't have any answers. I only have a flashlight. I can expose light peacefully, respectfully, and lovingly on the blind spots of your life. And I will hold your hand when you're ready to step in. But I don't have your answers. I only have a flashlight. And so people can be really afraid to deal with the pains and the angst. I call it, we all have shadows on our souls. And that means just simply as we watch the adults in our world behave and function, and we're not going to demonize them. We're not going to vilify them. They're just human because they were someone else's child as well. But as we watch them function, some shadows came on our soul. They're parts of us that are cancerous that we didn't realize are impeding our movement and our growth. One thing I want to share with you, Anika. Uh, research, and, and I hope I get this right, um, anybody fact check me, in the medical community, did you know there was one organ that does not get cancer? Hold on. <laughs> the heart. Amen. I had to think. The heart. I had to think. Yes. yes. Yeah. Any organ within us can really become cancerous or have cancerous cells, but the heart is such a powerful organ that they've done research, they dropped heart tissue in, of uh, messing this up, this is not my area, so everyone go with me, um, but if they drop it in a little uh, Petri dish of cancerous cells, the heart tissue wins. Really? Because the heart, yes, because the heart is our most powerful thing. Now let's take that same concept scientifically and move it to emotionally and psychologically. When we function on our truth, our heart, our authenticity, that's when we are the most powerful. We can begin to address the trauma, yes. the pain, yes. the heart of it all. Yes. And so we really encapsulate our heart out of fear of being judged, disrespected, losing who we are, or the fact that we think we can't handle what is buried so deep in there. But I love helping people realize you are stronger than you think, no matter how many weights you can lift, you can create a muscle memory for your heart issues. Your emotions can be mastered just like your intellect or your pragmatic or your analytical things. I want to ask you, um, you, you mentioned therapy, but you actually, you're more than a therapist. I want you to tell people what it is that you are available for. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Anika. So I've been practicing for years and I own a private practice and I've been doing clinical psychodynamic work and I specialize in Relational, relationship dynamics, marriage therapy. I also love helping couples have sex better. I'm a sex, sex therapist. And I work with individuals with depression, anxiety, blah, 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 blah. But what I found is in my private pay world where I don't take insurance, so there's not a need to always diagnose someone who's just having a soul dilemma, I find I'm working with people who just need, right, who just need a shift in their heart and their spirit and their soul. I, I almost categorize myself as an interior designer of the emotions. You know how interior designer walks in and says, an interior designer walks in and says, this is great, but we should move this here and move that there. And what do you think? It looks different. It's the same stuff. You just shift it right. completely different. Perspective. Yes, so that I, word. I found that I am better suited to help people. And I, I don't want to dilute and water down the word coaching. 
um, because I've got way too many degrees and way too much um, college debt to call myself. <laughs> call it a, con a transformational spiritual support blah 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 you can even call me a support animal i don't know but <laughs> at least you can go life. with me huh at least you can go right with whatever you want to call it i know i'm a change agent and i can get you where you need to get i know how to gracefully and lovingly get you to a space where you're not beat up to get there to where you can save face and ego and accepting i am really wrong and I've been wrong and loud a long time and so not only do I do clinical psychotherapy but I also have created two separate quote-unquote coaching packages that are transformational <laughs> I don't know maybe someone will write in and say Tell it's me. almost unavoidable it's like okay where's my whistle where's my whistle <laughs> if someone smarter than us calls in and says tell that lady she's a blank 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 Listen, I welcome them because I've been doing this marketing thing forever trying to figure it out. So when y'all come up with a word yes. better than coach, let us know. Yes, to where sometimes we require real psychodynamic work. But for the most part, who is currently being attracted to me and I am governed and trained and uh, been built to help are people who are ready to take action. People who are ready to, I feel stagnant, I feel uh, dormant, and I, I have the most... Um, accolades and I've achieved so much in business and in other places but personally and at home I cannot figure it out please a lot of times wait, wait, wait. people can you stop please can you please yes, go back to what you just said because that is something that I harp on a lot a lot of people think that by the accolades that paint the picture but it is normally a sign of all the other things gone wrong can you hit on that yes, yes. and here's the thing for me, when I acknowledge that, the concept that we can have, almost like seeing us lopsided person, one side is so muscular because we've worked it out so strongly and the other side is atrophied. Like when you take a cast off of a broken something and it's all weak and pitiful. Yep. And so most of us walk around and we, we're not trying to do this intentionally, we just don't have the skills. One side of us is a shero. One yep. side of us can conquer the world, start the company, do everything. And the other side of us is inferior to our parents, can't figure out our children, cowers to our husband or emasculates the, our husbands. Because So there's all these things. What I love identifying in these people that I am able to, and privileged to work with, I'm able to celebrate your skill set on this side. We literally do a SWOT analysis because I love business. SWOT meaning strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. We do a business it. SWOT analysis on your strengths and then force ourselves to translate those same skills into your personal movement. That's and right. so my programs are very um, pragmatic and succinct and precise, less psychotherapy, more let's take action. I was sharing with you, it's not about, I need to plan to take action. I need to take action to plan. And so I'm all about, if you're ready to jump, I'm gonna jump with you and we will figure it out while we're going. So yeah, I know so I am available to people. Yeah, I'm available to people for coaching. I have one client now that's in China. She is brilliant and amazing. Um, and we meet via Zoom or Skype or FaceTime once a week. But she's working the program and having amazing success. And all of this insight that just begins to just breathe and reverberate out of her pores. She's a powerful woman, almost done with the course. So yeah, that's something I, I offer as well. That is awesome. Um, 
I really, really, um, everything that you said resonates and I really want mm -hmm. to tap into that because at the end of the day, a lot of people are scared by anything with the word psych in it. Um, and so as a psychotherapist, psychologist, anything like that, people tend to run, but I really hope that they heard your explanation of things because I think a lot more people need to tap in to those concepts. You know, a lot of people are afraid to ask for help because you mentioned fear and doubt, which you even caught me today <laughs> on identifying <laughs> my own fear that I didn't even know that I had. So I'm just putting my head down like, no, she didn't. No, be excited. I think it's quite the opposite. I'm sorry, Anika. I'm a big old ridiculous optimist. I'm glass half full. I'm, I'm really annoying about that. So no, no head down. It's like your spirit is so open for tutelage and what's next. Insight comes to you because it knows you're a good steward of insight. I love that. You just made it sound good. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really, I really appreciate that tweak right there. But, but it's real because the thing is, is that we don't even know we have it sometimes. We don't know that we're doing or acting on it or even that we're watering things down. You know, and that's something that a lot of people do. A lot of people dumb me down because yeah. of that fear and that doubt. And they're not mm -hmm. walking in their true purpose. Their relationships are reflecting it. And that's one thing that you mentioned is that you work with people with relationships. And people need to understand that that doesn't always mean in marriage or in, uh, in that kind of concept. A lot of people have um, maternal, paternal um, a lot of people's relationships or lack of healthy relationships impacts them in work in business. Mm -hmm. And I need you to emphasize that to people uh, that, you know, what type of relationship help you provide and who it pertains yeah. to. Pretty much anyone, because we all in, and I'm going to use that word you just talked about psychology or in the study of the mind, <laughs> we have something we call family systems, correct? Yep. Yep. So no matter who you are in a family, who was missing, who was not, wherever you go, we, all of us try to create a similar family system. And so we're acting out unresolved conflicts and unresolved unfinished business with our coworker because she acts like cousin Jean or because she resembles or puts you in the mind of your mother or a sibling. And you don't realize why this person affects you and stimulates yes. you and gets under your skin so much, but that's because it's relational. Yep. There is a trauma bond that you are creating with other people who don't want to play the game with you. Yep. But because they have their own family systems and no one is aware, we're all in our blind spots. We're all just bleeding and hemorrhaging on each other from past wounds. Mm -hmm. So relational dynamics, as you said, can stretch. It can be um, uh, marriage. It can be siblings. It can be parents. It can be business. Relational dynamics really boil down to the person and the nexus of where everything began. So um, again, I think it always starts with self, a view of self how we deal with you, how you deal with you, you'll be able to then know how to deal with people. So it all starts with us. I think that that is a synopsis right there. Cause it really does all start with us and we gotta be ready to do the work and personal development never stops. Never, never. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, Anika, I have been through so much trauma that I know myself really well. I can say today on February, 8th, 2019, no one knows me better. I am extremely self-actualized, but I'm also smart enough to say, I don't know me next year. 
Okay. I don't know myself. So I know, think of it from this perspective. I know I have two children. They're 21 and 18. I don't know who I am as a grandmother. I don't know who I am as a mother-in-law. I don't know myself the death or funeral of one of my parents. We don't even know ourselves until we get to the space to know ourselves. So I actually would ask people, give yourself some grace to for more self-development. Give yourself the same grace you give somebody else. Self-development. I love Never it. ending. Never ending. <laughs> I just need listeners to hear that because a lot of people don't invest in themselves. And that's the one thing, if I have a message for any of them, is that they have to learn to invest in yourself. Yes. Yes. What makes your spirit sing? Lean into it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. tell us how to find you? Absolutely. So my office number is 804-467-1488. Again, that's 804-467-1488. Or they can connect with me on my blog um, that's read in about 200 countries. And so there's some information there. I charge a lot of money, Anika, for (laughs) private therapy. And so I give the insight away (laughs) on a blog. And that blog is livinganewthought.com. Livinganewthought.com. From the blog, you will see all of my social media connections, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter will be there on the blog. But how to reach me, you know, I'm pretty easy. Um, I told you earlier, I am a businesswoman that pretends to be a therapist. So I have really strong SEOs, search engine optimization. So if you just search April St. John, Virginia, you'll find me. I am available to any wounded person who's ready to do the work. Any wounded person that is ready to do the work. And I know that is a lot of people yeah. across the world. So I want to. And I'm going to. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, and if they come to me, I'm just going to love the hell out of them. Amen. <laughs> Everything okay. says is so profound. I'm like, let it, let it ring. Let it ring. <laughs> so um, I want to thank you for being here though. Thank you, Anika. You made my Friday. So thank you. You made my Friday. This is my first podcast. Thank you. You eased me into it so nicely. Thank you for making my virgin moment so enjoyable. No problem. <laughs> All right, listeners. This is another edition of Your Voice, Your Power. I'm Anika Wilson, and you are? April St. John. All right, y'all. Stay powerful. Thank you.